0: Hello and welcome back to our devotions on the Psalms. Before I begin on uh, reflecting on the Psalms, I'd like to highlight one of the events in our church and that is our training or talk by migrants and me. Uh, That will be at the end of the month of May from 2 to 4.30. This talk is especially important because it helps us, it gives us a window into the lives of our migrant workers. It's important for us then to understand how a migrant worker, especially the low-income migrant workers, whether they are domestic workers or construction workers or road sweepers, to understand what it feels like to be in a migrant community far from home and far from family. It also gives us some insights into how then we can love them as our neighbour. Remember the theme for these two months is who is my neighbour and in particular, how to Love Our Neighbour as Ourselves. And so Migrant next Me talk will be part of that. Also, the coming week, we will have our church school um, chairperson, Andrea, Mrs. Andrea Sow, to bring God's word to us. And her topic is children, how to love children as ourselves. It's As we look at our neighbours, we also realise that children are all around us. How then do we love them and to know them? The following week is Aldous Gate Sunday and Bishop will has t- recorded his sermon on tape. However, we have a different speaker and so we will put Bishop's sermon on the website for you to get into, to listen and to be blessed. We have a guest preacher um, who will tell us about various ways of reaching out to different groups of marginalized people. His name is our Pastor Andrew Chu. He, used to, he and his wife used to run a home called Andrew and Grace Home, which was the only Christian home for delinquent girls. He now runs a hydroponics farm that works with children, adults with autism, helps them to find, it's a therapeutic farm, that helps them to learn skills and to find peace and calmness through the farm. We want him to come and share with us the journey, various ways in which he found creative ways of reaching out to marginalised people. That's important too for our church as we embark on looking at how we can reach people in our community some of them hidden, very hidden, some of them right before our eyes. We need to learn how to reach out to them. So I hope that I really look forward to the coming sermons uh, in this week and this month and the following month. Well, now let's look then at Psalm 86 as we continue our meditation. On Tuesday, we talked about posture or the attitude towards prayer. That the first posture is that of realizing our poor and needy state. The second is our trust in God, not turning uh, to various other resources but simply learning, believing that God brings us the solutions. And the third then is to pray from morning to night continually it need not be in uh, formal prayer, but just talking to God throughout the day each time we face a crisis. I was trying it again and again, and I found it rather difficult to just be talking to God, to just remember to talk to God when we face a crisis, because whenever we face a crisis, we go into panic state and we think of our own solutions. But think of God as your best friend, your best friend who walks with you every moment. Wouldn't you then turn to your best friend or your partner and say, hey look, imagine you were on a police patrol, right? You're driving and chasing a robber. You wouldn't just do it alone when your partner's sitting with you next in the car next to you. You would turn to your partner and talk and strategize and ask for guidance and insights. Likewise for God. Think of God as your best friend, your partner who's always next to you so that whenever you face a crisis, just turn to Him and say, Hey God, here's another crisis. What shall we do? Guide me as we get along. And as we develop that habit, indeed God shows Himself as our partner, always faithful. So today we will look at the verses in the psalm that tell us about who God is, God's nature. Having understood the attitude of prayer, now we look at, God whom we we pray to and turn to. And so for today, I shall read from uh, Psalm 86, from verse 5 to verse 13. Psalm 86, verse 5 to verse 13. Let us pray. Father, indeed you are mighty, awesome, faithful, loving God. We ask, Lord, that you will speak to us to show us the truth about yourself, even as you showed us the truth about our attitude towards you. Help us to know you more, that we can trust you more as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 86 verse 5 You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Among the gods there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvellous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart. That i may fear your name i will praise you lord my god with all my heart i will glorify your name forever for great is your love toward me you have delivered me from the depths from the realm of the dead this is the word of the lord thanks be to god the first quality of god that is mentioned in this psalm is in verse 5 where the psalmist says you lord are forgiving and good abounding in love to all who call you. One of the things that holds us back from talking to God or from asking from God is a sense of guilt and shame and the sense that God is still angry with us over certain things. We are very sinful people and before our eyes are always the sins that we've committed. Very grievous sins and all almost always in secret. When we come to church, no one knows that we are terrible sinners. We all look very good. And yet deep inside us, we know that there is unforgiveness, there is lust, there is envy, there is murder, there is gossip, a whole host of sins that we carry with us. And ever so often, there is a sense of guilt, the sense that because we are unworthy, And because we are unholy, God will not answer us. And sometimes this sense of guilt may not just be recent sin as well. It could have lingered for years or even decades. We have this sense that it is bad karma. I lived a bad life. I sinned. I cheated someone before. I remember in my younger days, I did uh, withhold pay from a domestic servant and I felt ever so bad. It was out of a sense of anger and uh, misplaced injust- injustice, I suppose, at that time. But as I looked back and wondered if I could have made restitution, I felt that guilt. But that guilt often carries itself within our lives and we feel, this is bad karma. I did bad to someone else in the past. God will do something bad to us in the present. Isn't that how we often feel? When I talk to people and they say, You know, I rebuffed God in the past. Now God is rebuffing me in the present. A few weeks ago, I talked about a friend who had an abortion in her very young days. And though 20 years later, she was pregnant, she was terrified that because she killed a child, God would kill her child. And in her pregnancy, she was so scared. Well, it turned out her child came out healthy. He's now married and happy. But she had to go through a long journey of realizing that God forgives. The truth here in verse five says that God is forgiving and good, and there's only one condition that lets him help you, and that is to all who call on him. Some it says, God abounds in love to all, excuse me, that God abounds in love to all who call on you. That's the only requirement for God to help. It doesn't matter whether you were ter- doing terrible things in the past, long past, or in the recent present or recent past. What it calls for is that we call on God. And God loves us. You know, it's hard to imagine what that means. Perhaps until I became a parent, a father, when I realized that my anger towards my child could not linger. I'll be very angry, and yet when the child, my, my child comes to me and says, Pa, can you help me? And there is a genuine call for help, not an insincere or a very entitled call, but a genuine plea for help. The heart melts immediately. That's the way God is. God's heart melts when we call on Him. The second truth about God is found in verse 7 it says that God is reliable, trustworthy. In verse 7, the psalmist says, When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. God is the obvious choice, his obvious choice of help. When he is in distress, he thinks of God and he calls on God. Why? Because God answers. One of the worst things to have is a friend who doesn't answer. You know, when you need help and you text a person and person you see one tick, on the WhatsApp and you see, oh no, person's phone is off. And then you see two ticks. And what's worse, when you see that a friend is online, that he is actually looking at his phone and still it's not the blue ticks. He hasn't read your message. Is it because he doesn't want to read your message? And the worst, of course, is when you see two blue ticks and there's no reply. And then when it's an urgent request, urgent call for help, and you see two blue ticks on his WhatsApp and... No reply, no reply for a day, no reply for two days. What sort of friend do we have? That when the psalmist says that when I call in my time of distress, I think of you immediately because you always answer. That's how reliable God is. And so when we pray and sometimes we see results that are not very much in our favor, we see no movement, Take heart, because God always answers our prayer. From hindsight, I can say that. I used to tell the younger ones, you know, that my advantage over you is that I have the benefit of length of time, of hindsight. Because often God, when God answers, we see the results much later because God works in a slow process. But the process has to take place when God makes changes. And so when we are young and we pray and we expect immediate answers and we don't get it, But when you're old at my age, I realise that after two, three years, when I look back and I see that God has made beautiful things of our prayers, I don't see the help right away. But three years, ten years down the road, I look back and I realise that God has indeed answered and blessed. And so I can say with some degree of confidence and conviction that when we pray, God answers whether or not we see the answer right away. Years later, when you look back, you realise that God indeed has answered you right from the time you prayed. The next quality is that God is powerful. In verse 8, the psalmist says, Among the gods there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you. They will bring glory to your name. In verse 9, what verse 9 means is that all the nations, no matter how arrogant, how powerful, you think of Russia, they will still be forced to come before God and acknowledge that God is far more powerful than they are. That the nations now that dominate the world, that frighten, terrorize the world, the superpowers, even these will realize that while they can bully smaller nations, God is more powerful than they But if that's the case, why is it then that so many nations continue to oppress other nations? Why is Russia oppressing Ukraine, taking so much death? Why is the US paying for terrorists in various countries and still getting away with it? Why was it that years before various colonising states, were colonising other countries and got away with it? These are questions that we find very hard to answer, and yet from hindsight, we see that the nations that were once very powerful have been brought low. They aren't that powerful anymore. But in the more immediate way, I believe that even when our, our longing for God's way to take place doesn't really get fulfilled, God works in mysterious and wonderful ways. I was just reading CNN today about a woman called Auntie Soup. She was in Mariupol or uh, inside the steel factory, Azor's Fall, and she was seeing death all around with bombings and buildings slowly collapsing because under the weight of bombs. And There she was creatively making soup for the children and for the other people hiding in the bunkers and she said the one thing that is most needed when all things are crumbling is love and in here we have found love. Love in service, love in caring for each other. That though their lives may be quickly ended, shortened uh, within a day or several days, what they have experienced is love. We realise then that in our very hectic and prosperous time what we lack the most is love, and because we lose love, our lives may be long, but perhaps it could be we could be the walking dead. The reality is that it is love that gives us life, that makes life meaningful and well worth living for. And even in time of war and devastation, some of these people found the truth that they loved. One another. I don't know if that is good enough consolation, but what I know is that love does bring fullness of life. And no matter how short our lives, if our lives are lived in love, giving and receiving love, it's far more worthwhile than living a long life devoid of love. God is powerful, He knows what He's doing. We open our eyes to see the work that God is doing even when we don't see what we want to place. The fourth truth about God is that He is faithful and He is fearsome. Verse 11 tells us, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. The fear of God, we often think that we fear God and that's what God demands of us, that we must fear Him. For fear that he will punish us? Certainly not. But let me share with you one of the greatest benefits of fearing God. You see, if we did not fear God and we thought little of God, then the protection that you get is little. But if we believe that we have a fearsome God, a God who is to be feared, then we fear all the less. In the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, the first book, The Witch, the Lion, the Wardrobe, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. So, story about Aslan, who is a representation of Jesus Christ. And someone asked about Aslan, is he a tame lion? And the answer was this: He is not safe, but he is good. He is not safe, he is good. There is a vengeful power, vicious power in Aslan to destroy his enemies, and yet he is a good lion, a good God. Think of that, that we have a good God who does wreak vengeance upon his enemies. If that were not so, we would never feel safe. If God were just a simple, permissive God, never protects and lets us, well, lets the enemy. Um, hurt us because he loves the enemy the way he loves us, has no protection at all. We think of our parents. Too. If our parents were totally indulgent and permissive, if your brother were to bash you in the head, and the parents said, well, yeah, okay, but I'm not going to punish your brother, <clears throat> how would you feel? But you would feel safe when there is vengeance from your, your parents, when your parent grabs your bullying brother and gives him a whack on the, back, on the bottom. He loves the other brother, of course. But still, there must be some recompense and discipline. Remember when I was working in prison fellowship, we had our office in and You know Geelang is notorious. My daughter then was in primary school and then in lower secondary school. And she used to come every day after school or sometimes late. She would come to our office in Geelang. And of course, I would get my most trusted, faithful staff wing you to... Accompany her if it got dark and got dangerous. And she was asked once, Aren't you worried about the dangers of going to Gelang after school? And she said very proudly, I have got Wing Yu, well known gangster, walking with me. What am I afraid of? See, Wing Yu was our well, staff, but he was a vicious gang fighter before his conversion. And with him, my daughter felt so safe. Because which gangster would dare approach her and bully her with wing Yu next to her? That is what it means to fear God. The more we fear God, the more we know his power, the more we know that God does wreak vengeance upon those who do injustice. Yes, it warns us that we cannot be unjust ourselves because God will wreak vengeance against us as well. But there is a great sense of safety, of security. When we know that our God is not a tame, save God, He's not safe at all, but He is good. And that gives us a sense of security. Finally then, that God's love delivers us from the debts. In verse 13, that God is love. In verse 13 it says, For great is your love toward me, you have delivered me from the debts, from the realm of the dead. From the depths and from the realm of the dead doesn't mean that David died and rose again. What it does mean is that he went down into deep depression and God's love raised him, lifted him. You know what the greatest thing, as the Bible says, there remains faith, hope and love. In 1 Corinthians 13, there remains faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. It is love that casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear, as the Apostle John says. And it is so true that when we are loved, we are lifted from depression. You know, depression, mental health problems are one of the most uh, vile things that have beset us, especially during the COVID season. Many people are depressed, many people have mental health problems. And we uh, engaging more and more counselors, and that is necessary. But really, the one antidote to depression is love. Love from those around us, but most importantly, love from God. When we feel the love of God coming into our hearts, our depression is lifted right away. And God's love is seen. In the Bible, yes, it talks about it. God's love is also seen in answered prayer. But you know, the Bible is not something just tells us ob- objective truth. The Bible tells us what to expect. The Bible tells us about rivers of living water coming into us. As uh, John records Jesus saying, out of you will flow rivers of living water. Jesus says, I came that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. That's the outpouring of God's love into our hearts. It's palpable. It's something you can feel. Ask then that you turn to God and say, God, show me how much you love me. And allow God to answer that prayer. Remember, God wants persistent. I mean, God, you need to be persistent. Keep saying, God, I feel depressed. Show me your love. And keep praying that, morning to night, God, show me how much you love me. And let God pour his love into your hearts, and that will lift you from your deep depression. Because love lifts us up. So think of these qualities of God. That God is forgiving, good to all who call on him. That he reliable he answers us when we call to him that he's powerful even the nations who come and bow before him but he has his ways of working that is unknown to us, hidden from us until years later when we look back in retrospect. The God is faithful and fearsome. He sticks with us like a security guard like a bouncer, like some powerful person who makes us feel safe. And above all, when God pours his love into your hearts, he lifts us up from the depths. Let us pray. Father, show us your qualities in reality, not just in words, but Lord, let us experience you in so many ways, in your faithfulness, in your forgiving nature, and your power, in your love. Help us to know you, that we may trust you more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well then, you have a good weekend. Good weekend. Do come back this Sunday. Um, really would love to have you join us. And one more thing. You know the room downstairs called Family at Agape at Level 1? We're going to open it on the first Sunday of June. And In fact, today we're going there. The whole team is going there to clean up the place. And, oh, sorry, today's Thursday. Sorry, we would have done it by then, just recording early. But we are going to that room and cleaning it up, preparing it for Monday, for the first Sunday of June, where we will have refreshments. And we'll do that slowly over time, perhaps to bring some food in and encourage you to, to go to the food court, buy the food in bulk and then bring it to Agape then. Have fellowship and talk about things that are important in life. Well then, have a good weekend. God bless you. Goodbye.